the Gospel of Mark opens in a hurry. Inside of 13 verses, you have this big, robust description of John the Baptist and his ministry. you got Jesus sort of entering the scene from, from a side part of the stage and getting baptized. You've got, you've got Jesus then entering to the wilderness and being tempted for 40 days by Satan, all in 13 verses. It's not until the 14th verse, which, which some might say is, is, is a little while, and yet, of course, compared to Matthew or Luke and their, and their, their longer introductions about, about infants and, 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 uh, and angels and proclamations, Mark gets after it pretty quickly. It's in the 14th verse that we hear Jesus' words for the first time, and they go like this. It's Mark chapter 1, and we we begin there. This is what Mark says. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee announcing God's good news, saying, Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. But, but for many of us, we've been there and done that. Trusted and believed the good news. We're, we're, we're past the utter despair of sin and hopelessness, and, and we've now moved from death to life. For, for, for most of us, my, I imagine, for, for most of us, we've, we've done that that Jesus is talking about, and we're now in, into, something, into something new. If, but... But if you haven't done that, don't wait. If you, you haven't done that, come and, come and talk to me. Come and talk to, to, to a leader in the church. If you haven't done that, go and talk to God. And, and, yet, and yet, for most of us, that's a, yeah, that's, that's a check. So, so, so for a lot of us, there is this, there's this little, there's this little, you know, voice over here that says, <clears throat> get on with it, preacher. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the early stuff we've got down pat. In fact, in fact it, it actually sounds a lot like what, what the writer of the letter to the Hebrews says. It's, it's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. It, it sort of has this get on with it kind of message. Hebrews 6, 1. So let's press on to maturity. By moving on from the basics about Christ's word, let's not lay a foundation of turning away from the dead works of faith in God. I mean, it, this, is, this is what he's saying. Let's, 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 let's move on. Let's move on. This, 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 word, this word that, uh, that, that shows up, at, the, the Greek word that shows up as turning away is the word metanoia. I, I've, I've said before, it's, it's one of the three or four, and by that I mean really one or two Greek words that I actually know, metanoia. And, it, and it's translated very often, turning away is a pretty good translation, and in, in the world of church speak, does everybody know that there's an entire, like, there's an entire like, uh, world of church speak that, uh, that's intended for the insiders to feel comfortable and the outsiders to go, what are they talking about? In the world of church speak, it's the word Repentance. Metanoia is repentance, but what it really means is turning away. But, but, but even that's not the fullness of it. It really means the, the changing of a person's mind. Metanoia is, is the changing of our mind, the changing of the fullness of our mind, this meta sense, this, this fullness of our mind. And yet the words on the screen seem to suggest that, that after we've done the early stuff, 
that we don't have to do some of this changing, turning away stuff any longer. Let's not do, what do, what do we do with that sense? For, for, for John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, 300 years ago, this need to move on from the basics was surely true. For the Apostle Paul, even before that, he made reference to the fact that, that, there is, that there is a growth and a maturity that happens. He says at one point, and referring to it as nourishment, he says that, we, that, that, that there are some among us, he's talking to the church, that still require spiritual milk like an infant. So, so maybe that's what Hebrews is talking about. Let's, let's, let's move on from the, from the early elementary type, you know, curriculum. But what do we do? This, this sense that, that, that it, if you've repented once from your sins and turned to Jesus, maybe you don't need to repent anymore. Maybe, maybe that's a fair question. Do I, as a born-again follower of Jesus, still need to repent? Well, for those who appreciate the work of Lee Corso on Saturday mornings, my word is not so fast, friend. <laughs> I had like seven people laughing here. The, the 8.30 service, they were like, what happens on Saturdays in the fall? And I was like, my God, y'all are killing me. <laughs> I had to explain to them football and um, took a minute. No, but, but what do we do with this question? If, if I've repented the one time that matters, do I still need to repent again? Or, or is the preacher standing in front of a room full of people who are saying, get on with it. I've been there and I've done that and I got the badge on the sash and I'm good to go now. What do we do with this question? Last week, we, last week we heard the message coming in large part from, from the work of John Wesley in a sermon that he published in 1763 called On Sin in Believers. Four years later, he publishes the sequel to that sermon, and it's called The Repentance in Believers. And this is how he opens up. This is how he opens up. We've got some slides so that you can help see him. He says, repentance frequently means an inward change, a change of mind from sin to holiness. He's talking about the first repentance, the one that matters the most. He says, but, but, we, need, but we now speak of it in a in quite different sense, as it is one kind of self-knowledge, the knowing ourselves sinners, yay, guilty helpless sinners, even though we know that we are children of God. And then Wesley begins, hang with me, then Wesley begins in this sermon that, uh, that it takes half an hour to read. He begins by, like sin by sin to, to name the various ways that believers are still mm, screwing up. And he goes into length about each of them. He, he summarizes sort of halfway through his list. He says, we may therefore set it down as an undoubted truth. Limitedness, together with pride and self-will and anger, remain in the hearts of even them that are justified. 
And, and, and the truth is, he spends a long time on each one of them. Enough so that, that I'm like, all right, John, can I call you John? <laughs> That's enough. But, but he's not done. Because he calls these, right here on the list, he calls these the sins of the heart. Then he goes to meddling. At least in my life. I don't know. Maybe, maybe everybody else in the, in the room is, is in a different place than I am in terms of their, 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 their Christian maturity. But, but then he goes to meddling because he begins to talk about, about the sins of our words and our actions. And he says this. But we should likewise be convinced that as sin remains in our hearts, so it cleaves to all our words and actions. Indeed, it is to be feared that many of our words are more than mixed with sin. They are sinful altogether. For such undoubtedly is all uncharitable conversation, all which does not spring from brotherly love, all which does not agree with that golden rule, what ye would that others should do to you, even so do unto them. Of this kind is all backbiting, all tail-bearing, all whispering, all evil speaking, that is, repeating the faults of absent persons. For none would have others repeat his faults when he is absent. Now how few are there, even among believers, who are in no degree guilty of this? Now you're... Now you know what I mean when I say he went to meddling. <laughs> Do you follow the old English? Is, is he being really clear with us right now? I'm having one of those like, 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 like parent-child kind of moments, the kind that I remember my mom having when she'd say, are you understanding the words I say to you? And then she'd lift up her prescription sunglasses and she'd say, do you need to see my eyeballs to understand how serious I am about this? What's he saying? He's saying, you're all doing this. To the, to the point of being as, 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 as plain as he can. If you talk about others in a way that you do not want to be talked about yourself when you're absent, this is the stuff of sin. So, so what are we to do? Am I just doomed? I mean, there is this sense. Listen, I'm not saying it's of God, but hear me. There is this sense. There is this, again, this voice. There is this this nudging. Ah, it's more, more, like a, more like a prodding or a poking or a piercing. This says, Scott, if, if you've been saved from sin and you still do this, maybe you're beyond hope. I mean, if God, through his son Jesus Christ, moved you from, from, from here to here, but you still want to be back here, maybe, maybe you're just worse than everyone else. Maybe I'm beyond help. 
Maybe, maybe I'm in trouble. This was the point, Nancy, this was the point that um, Sandy Wright at the 830 service started laughing <clears throat> at me. Because I kind of think she was thinking, Scott, that's what we're all believing right now. <sighs> maybe, maybe I'm beyond hope. Maybe, maybe, maybe anyone who resonates with these lists of sins that still persist in our saved selves And the question is, what are we to do? Are we beyond hope? What does God think of the, of the saved person who's still a sinner? Does he have a plan for that? Does he even have time for that? Hear the good news, church. Christ is not done with me. Christ is not done with you. Wesley says this. Jesus is still up to the task. Believe that he who is the brightness of his Father's glory, the express image of his person, is able to save unto the uttermost all that come into God through him. He is able to save you from all the sin that still remains in your heart. He's able to save you from all the sin that cleaves to all your words and actions. He is able to save you from sins of omission and to supply whatever is wanting in you. It is true. This is impossible with man. But with God, man, all things are possible. For what can be too hard for him who hath all power in heaven and in earth. This was the promise that he first made to Abraham. This was the promise that he made to every, every child of his. This was a promise that he made in a thousand places in the scriptures. And this is the promise that the gospels begin with. We, we read a few weeks ago the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah and how Zechariah encountered, encounters this angel when he's in the temple and he's about his holy work. And the angel comes and says, hey, good news, Elizabeth's going to have a child. And, and he says, wait, what, how's that going to happen? And then all of a sudden, he can't speak, and he can't hear. And the whole pregnancy, he can't speak, and he can't hear. And Elizabeth's over there going, best nine months of my life. Okay, I'm wrong. Sorry, 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 sorry. All right. And it says, it says in Luke 8 that on the eighth day when, when John the Baptist, that, that he would become John the Baptist, but, but, uh, but we don't know that at the time, when, when John was, was, was to be circumcised and named, that the prophecy was being fulfilled in front of all of them, and Zechariah can speak again. And this is what he says. It's Luke chapter 1, verses 68 69, and then, and then some more after that. He says, Bless the Lord God of Israel, because he has come to help and has delivered his people. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in his servant David's house. And then he goes on and says, He has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant. These are fancy words for God makes a promise and keeps it. The solemn pledge he made to our ancestor Abraham. He has granted that we would be rescued from the power of our enemies so that we would, 
that we would serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in God's eyes for as long as we live. Nowhere does it say, but you only get one chance at it, and if you mess it up, you're done. Nowhere does it say that. Nowhere does it say, Christ is for you that first time. But, w- but when you mess it up after that, whew, good luck. Less. Nowhere does it say that. And instead it says, every time you turn around, he's right there. Jesus came to do this for me and for you to, to save us from our sins and then, and, then, and then to stay with us until sin is put down in every place. For, for again, like, like, like this week, no longer does sin have dominion, but it's still present. And it would want to have dominion again if we would allow it. But we don't allow it by repenting. The last slide I have... <clears throat> The last slide I have is this, is, this, is this word in the midst of Wesley's sort of uh, get, getting ready to close. And what he, what he establishes is that repentance and faith go together. He, he says this, and this is just actually one of like a dozen instances in which he pairs them. Repentance does this, and faith does this. And repentance does this, and faith does this. Repentance says, without him I can do nothing. Faith says, I can do all things through Christ strengthening me. You've got to have both. You've got to have both, because if you only have the second, how easy is it to get messed up in your mind that, that me doing all things is because I'm really good at it? No, we must repent, knowing that I can do nothing without him. Through him I can not only overcome, but expel all the enemies of my soul. And so Wesley closes like I want to close. He closed with three points around, around what repentance means to a believer. First, repentance is this deep connection that we are not yet whole, that our hearts are not yet purified. He actually wrote, and, and this will be fascinating, he actually wrote... <clears throat> Of how, of how we can see the monster's inbred face occupying a space within us. I don't think that needs any translation from 300 years ago. The monster's inbred face. And number two, he says that, that repentance in a believer is, is, is that when we still feel new guilt that needs the atoning blood of Christ that Christ's work in us is not done. And finally, that we know that on our own we are helpless without Christ. But, but we get to the end of this description, we get to the end of the message, and we say, but, but Wesley, that sounds just like the repentance that we needed the first time around. And it is. Because, because if you've never prayed the prayer that says, I'm hopeless, oh God. And I've gotten to the very bottom and realized I've got no chance apart from your son Jesus Christ's work in my life. 
And, and I commit this day to make him Lord of my life and, and, and ask that he save me. If, if, if you've never prayed that, then, then again, we got a minute. Pray that prayer. But if, but if you've prayed it a hundred times, then 101 is A-OK. And if you get to 101, I'll give you a guess on what needs to happen probably tomorrow or later today. Because, because I find myself no different than anyone else still convicted that apart from the work of Christ in my life, I can do nothing. And yet with the work of Christ in my life, I can do all things. Still convicted. I'm helpless. And yet also strengthened by a power beyond myself. To the, to the question, does the believer still need to repent? The answer is a resounding yes. And the strength to do it now comes from the Christ that is in us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we still want the new thing. But, but we, we stumble on the way to finding it, on the way to revealing it, on the way to laying hold of it. Help us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience and find us in this spirit of repentance, turning back to you that the world might see in us the hope of glory, your son Jesus Christ at work. This is our prayer. And we offer it in his name. Amen. And amen.